For more than 65 years, Marin Health Medical Center, formerly Marin General Hospital, has been meeting our community's health care needs, and we are proud to present the Healing Podcast. Here's Bill Klaproth. Throughout the course of history, vaccinations have played an important part in public health. So what is the social impact of immunizations and the role each plays throughout the life cycle of infancy, childhood, adolescence, and adulthood? Here to talk with us about immunizations and vaccinations is Dr. Nelson Branco, a pediatric medicine specialist at Marin General Hospital. Dr. Branco, thanks for your time. So through the course of history, vaccines have saved countless lives. Is that right? Absolutely. There's an interesting article that was... um published by the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, in uh, 2014. That was the 20-year anniversary of the Vaccines for Children program, which is a program run by uh, the federal government to ensure that all children get all the recommended childhood vaccines. And, you know, that report looked at the impact of vaccines, and they estimated that in the 20 years since that program had begun, they had prevented more than 21 million hospitalizations and 732,000 deaths among children born in those 20 years. So huge, huge impact. That's amazing. And then what is the social impact of immunizations? My family is from a very rural area in Portugal. And, you know, my parents both lost siblings to vaccine-preventable diseases when they were young. There are many people here in the United States who remember the days of polio. I know that my my father-in-law and my mother-in-law both had polio uh, when they were growing up. And it's not hard to see that there is a huge impact in lost lives and you know, what we call lost productivity, right? Parents who, uh, who can't work because they have a, a child who's ill at home, children who can't attend school. Uh, and certainly easy to imagine all these children who were affected by vaccine-preventable diseases uh, who weren't able to you know, go to school and get jobs and pursue the future that all of us want for our children. Right. You never really think of the lost productivity when people are out sick. So that makes a sense. So can you take us through the role of vaccinations then? Let's start with infancy. Yeah. So in infancy is one of those times when we, we give a lot of vaccines because infants are uniquely susceptible to many of the diseases that we want to prevent, you know, things like meningitis and whooping cough. It's also a a time when children are coming to the doctor frequently, and so we take advantage of the fact that we're seeing them frequently to get them protected. And so in infancy, we vaccinate against things like uh, hepatitis, both A and B, whooping cough, polio, uh, meningitis, both homophilus meningitis and pneumococcal meningitis, and then rotavirus, measles, mumps, and rubella. Chickenpox, all of those things are given by the time the child is 15 months. We often hear, is their immune system developed enough to get all these vaccines? And one of the things that I've seen in my own career is we've added new vaccines is the huge impact on decreasing disease in these kids, little ones who are getting far fewer ear infections, uh, meningitis, which is something that I took care of a lot 20 years ago when I began working as a pediatrician that I I haven't seen, fortunately, in in many years. And so though their immune system and their defenses are not as well developed as older kids and adults, the vaccines are the best way to protect them because they can handle the antigens in the vaccines much better than they can the actual disease. 
And as a child ages then, how about childhood? So in childhood, once we get through the uh, infant series, then uh, it really is just doing booster doses in, in childhood. And so I mentioned all the diseases that we protect infants again. Uh, one that I, I didn't mention would be influenza. Infants are particularly susceptible to the different illnesses you get associated with influenza, and so they can get dehydrated and pneumonia and uh, uh, other lung infections, pneumonitis. The child, as they get into preschool and school age, uh, they are exposed to things like influenza all the time, so we recommend yearly influenza vaccines. We've found that we can keep communities healthy if we keep influenza out of the schools because that's such a breeding ground for influenza outbreaks. The other vaccines that you get in childhood are, are boosters for your whooping cough, diphtheria, uh, and tetanus, and boosters for your polio vaccine. And that's pretty much it until you get to your pre-adolescent, adolescent age range. And then what are the vaccinations you give during adolescence? So in adolescence, we you know, continue recommending the influenza vaccine because we want to make sure to keep kids and communities healthy. We do a booster dose, again, of the whooping cough vaccine. Whooping cough is a particularly tricky one because uh, your body doesn't make very good immunity to either the disease or the vaccine. So there's another uh, booster called the Tdap that combines tetanus and whooping cough. Uh, and then we start some uh, vaccines that are for illnesses that kids become more susceptible to, uh, mostly due to exposure at those ages. One is meningococcus, which is a bacteria that causes meningitis. This is the, for the third vaccine targeted to menin meningitis, but you know, three different bacteria. So meningococcus is the adolescent one. And then the HPV vaccine, which targets the human papillomavirus, which causes cervical cancer, and head and neck cancers, and other cancers. And then how about adulthood? In adulthood, there is a recommendation for the shingles vaccine. You know, most of us who you know, grew up in the days prior to the chickenpox vaccine uh, are susceptible to shingles because we had chickenpox disease when we were younger. And so there is a recommendation for a shingles vaccine. There's also a recommendation for a pneumococcal vaccine. to those vaccinations as you get into adulthood as well. And Dr. Branco, there's a small pocket of people who don't believe in vaccinations, and unfortunately these people put other people at risk. Can you talk about the anti-vaxxers for a minute? Yeah, there certainly has been a lot of concern about vaccines, often traced back to the Andrew Wakefield and the uh, MMR vaccine. Uh, as well as the thimerosal controversy. These are all things that 
that I, I've had a lot of experience with in my career. You know, all of these uh, concerns come from anecdotes and uh, stories of uh, my childhood. Fine, received vaccines, and then they developed some issues, some developmental problem, uh, autism being the one uh, most commonly talked about. Um, and I have a great deal of sympathy for parents who are uh, dealing with kids who are having challenges and who have a difficult time with, uh, with autism. But I know that when we take those concerns and we take those stories and we apply good science and we look at large numbers of kids who have gotten vaccines or haven't gotten vaccines or who have gotten vaccines on a delayed schedule versus the standard schedule, uh, we have not been able to see a difference. The same thing has happened with thimerosal. We've removed thimerosal, which is a mercury-containing preservative, from vaccines due to concerns about a possible impact, and we haven't seen any change in the 20 years since we've done that. We are fortunate in the U.S. that we have a good vaccine system that can survive and thrive without thimerosal, so there's no reason to add it back in. The point is that there's a lot of fear out there uh, about vaccines. Parents are very worried and are listening to voices that aren't always based on uh, evidence, in fact, and science. There's, there's some sentiment of grand conspiracy, which uh, I think always baffles me as a pediatrician who cares for kids and cares deeply about kids in my community. I find it a little surprising and, uh, frankly, insulting when I'm uh, told that I'm part of this vast conspiracy. And I know many of the people who are vaccine researchers and making good decisions about vaccines based on science. The bottom line is that we know that these vaccine-preventable diseases are dangerous and that they're prevalent. And uh, when we look at episodes like the Disneyland measles outbreak, uh, it was just another lesson to us that these diseases are still around. And if we don't maintain protection in our communities with vaccines, they do come back. So the impact of the anti-vaccine movement is that as there are fewer people who are protected, there's more of a potential for these diseases to to come back. And you know, someone like me who's been practicing for a few years and has seen kids who have gotten very ill or who have died from meningitis or whooping cough or have had brain damage due to measles, I, I don't want that in my community. And so I will work hard to protect all the kids that I uh, take care of. Many of us don't want that in our communities and these diseases coming back. And as you say, the fact is vaccines work. Immunizations have done so much good over the course of history. And eradication of many diseases has been so important. And quite frankly, I think many of us take vaccines for granted. So thank you so much for talking to us today about immunizations and vaccines, Dr. Branco. For more information, visit MarinGeneral.org. That's MarinGeneral.org. This is The Healing Podcast brought to you by Marin General Hospital. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Healing Podcast brought to you by Marin Health Medical Center, formerly Marin General Hospital. And for more information, go to MyMarinHealth.org. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out our full podcast library for topics of interest to you. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.